Excellent. There were uh, probably three or four questions that came in that were regarding uh, things that you've touched on a little bit in terms of particularly the asking out aspect of things, whether or not oh, yeah. um, men should ask women, women should ask men, those yep. things. But one of them that I think got particularly kind of in the middle of it um, was if, if you'd like to date, but men aren't asking you out, mm-hmm. um, what's your kind of advice in, in the middle of that of yeah. uh, you know, taking that position of wanting to be pursued and yet not, then not finding right, that right. happening. You just weep. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's pretty much, it's over. It's over for you. Um, no, this is, I get this question so often from women because they, we all, we women want to feel like we're doing something proactive. You know, if there's Proverbs 18.22 for men, he who finds a wife, but where's Proverbs 18.23 for us women? What's up? Um, so this is where I find a lot of women will be like, okay, well, I'm going online again because at least I feel like I'm doing something. Um, I would say that, you know, again, there is, there is a lot of value in in leaning into God through the weight. That said, you don't just sit back in your apartment with a pizza and cry and pray that God's going to bring someone to you and watch, you know, you've got mail. You, you are going out there. You are, you are interacting with men. You are asking to be set up with people. You are joining um, groups that will put you... And, and again, I, I always like to say, yeah, ladies, for the most part, just practically speaking, guys aren't really into the whole like, you know hey, do you want to go out with me? Or the really forward women. But what about kindness? What about be, be the person who is willing to have conversations, who is willing to um, build the men up in your sphere. And it doesn't have to be just self-serving. It doesn't matter. We should all be doing that anyway. But to be the person that has a gracious word for the men in your group, the one who has, who's interested in what they're about, the one who is, um, who is involved, who's putting both feet in, and who's creating space for men to get to know her. Um, I share... <laughs> I share the example in my book about, um, you know, all of us have been here where we go to a wedding and then the dance music starts and the dance floor opens up and the women move out onto the dance floor in this pack of wolves um, and you dance in this huddle and it's like, um, there's, a, there's, a book, um, there's a book out there called Dateable, and this uh, illustration was in there, and they describe the women as witches dancing around a cauldron. And I was like, I have been that woman. I have totally been there. And it's like, women are doing it for self-protection, but no guy wants to bust into that. No guy is going to come into 14 women and single one out and be like, do you want to dance? Unless he is Jesus. I mean, again... <laughs> unless he is so confident in himself. So create space. Go sit by yourself once in a while. Sit by yourself in church. Go initiate conversations with men. Be open. Be the one that's known as, you know what? She gave him a chance. She went out with him. Because if guys know that, they're going to be much more likely to make that leap and say, oh, I might want to actually ask her out because I think she might say yes. She's actually a good... A good one. So the guys are going for a second piece of cake. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't dance. Cake. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there's a comment. I think this the the comments just crazy. It's expectation management super tough. <laughs> <laughs> and then help. <laughs> 
so how to manage Yeah, just managing expectations in the midst of things. And you touched on it a little bit um, when you were talking about the, uh, your tips for dating and defining the relationship and mm-hmm. kind of one month, six months, oh, like yeah. making sure there was a conversation. But anything else yeah. you'd want to add to kind sure. of managing expectations? Sure. Okay, so I... This is, again, where I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth because I'm a big believer in trusting God and letting him guide your story. But dating is also a dance. It is also, there is also a certain amount of game to it. And, you know, guys, I always say, if you've got game, you're going to go a lot further than the guys that are sitting around looking at their friends who actually decided to do something. So expectations in this is, yeah, okay, Say you've, you've gone on a date. I mean, again, it's so often it's like a woman will go on a date and she's like, I haven't been on a date in seven years, so I'm so excited. And then, it's, and then she gets weird, you know? And it's like, we're doing coffee, but oh my goodness, she just told all of her friends that we went on a date and that we're now dating. And, you know, it just becomes, we need to just simmer down and be okay with dating and letting it go where it may lead. Now, again, that doesn't mean at some point you should have in your head, okay, I should probably know a little bit more information at this point. I should probably ask a few questions. I should probably, and guys, again, you have the opportunity to lead in this regard by setting up that expectation right from the get-go. By, by putting your cards on the table, by saying what this is, she should not have to circle back around in a month or two months and be like, so what's going on here? What is this? What is you know, I mean, just, just be honest with it. Be, be like, you know, oh, I, I totally enjoyed that. I'd love to go out with you again. I'd love, and then, you know, at some point, you know, actually, I'm almost like, wondering if this could be a little bit more serious, if this could be, you know, we understand what that means. So um, I, I fully believe, I mean, because again, I love saying things in black and white. I think that in most situations, unless you have serious stuff from your past to clear up, or you've got, you just, you know, are completely deer in the headlights about dating, I think most people should be able to get from dating to marriage within a year. I mean, I think that at least, at least to the point of, at least to the point of like, we are engaged or moving. This is a serious thing. We are, if you haven't figured this out in that time span, something is, something's wrong. You need to know where you're about. This idea that you need to know every single thing about a person before you marry them is just bogus. It's going to keep you single because you're not going to know that. Some things have to be known through marriage. There are big things you need to know, but you don't need to know every single detail. And so I think that's a stall tactic for a lot of people that that don't want to make it happen. So um, maybe set up expectations right from the get-go and be like, look, okay, I'm interested in exploring where this could go. I am really, you know, I'm not going to date other people, whatever, but, you know, let's have have fun in the the meantime. Don't pull pull out, um, because I know people have done this. This isn't the time to pull out, you know, seven personality assessments and run them through the rigor of like, are you guys compatible enough? Or are you guys, you know, it's, it's like a science. Have fun with it. Get the stuff answered that you need answered, but have fun as well. I, I heard you say on a number of occasions, kind of throughout the morning, even in answering the question, um, like just really recommending some just frank honesty in the midst of all of the conversations. Oh, yeah. yeah, it goes um, a long Which way. I, I think in our culture is its own version, it's its own expression of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We're so scared sometimes of being honest about things of like, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to spin out. And yeah. there's, I think, fear in many ways that keeps us from being honest with each other. But yeah, that is the vulnerable thing to do, to say, I'm just going to put it out here. Yeah. Here's where I'm at. Yeah. 
Um, so there were a couple of converse, uh, questions about the friend, the friend uh, fr I can't even say friend relationships. There we go. I keep, I, I've always heard the friend <laughs> the women zone. women know what it's yeah. called. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was navigating the friend zone is what people in my circle have called it in the past. Yeah. Um, but the, one of the questions that came up numerous times was just for, what's a healthy or practical way to address those kind of things uh, when it seems to be going there or you, maybe you find yourself in that place. Any recommendations on having that conversation mm -hmm. with people, which is my dovetail from the honesty. Yeah. <laughs> and most often it's not going to be you recognizing it. It's going to be a friend or someone else who's going to mm -hmm. tell you, you know, hey, I think you're hanging on here a little too tight or whatever. This, the, FYI, this isn't really going anywhere. Um, I think one of, the, one of the things you have to do, you have to realize within, within your own heart, like, is there actually, I mean, if, if there is nothing viable going on, you have to be able to look realistically at your situation and name that and be honest about it and be like, okay, this is not just he's shy. This is not just, oh, well, we're on different pages or different stages of life or whatever. This is like, we are, just, and, and it, those could be true. Those could be very true. But at some point you have to say, what is the end game here and what do I need to do to make it happen? Um, it is basically, so, so like for example, one way that could play out is um, it may involve you needing to very starkly step back from the relationship. So it's no longer hanging out one-on-one. -on -one, it's no longer sharing intimate details about your life. It's no longer, um, now, now that said, some people need to have a franker conversation. Um, the founder of Boundless, Candace Waters, uh, talks about uh, when she and her husband Steve were hanging out, they met in graduate school, so they were like study buddies and all this stuff. Well, they were kind of doing datey kind of things, and, but she didn't really hear from him. He was, um, she's from Ohio and is really like opinionated and whatever, and he thought he was going to marry a Southern Belle, so preconceived notions. Um, so he was waiting for this Southern Belle to come along. Meanwhile, Candace was okay. She was fine in the meantime. Um, and she actually had to sit down with him and say, Steve, I like you. I actually think you're a person that I could eventually marry, but I don't know if you think that as well. But in the meantime, I need you, you will not have access to my time, to my attention. We need to have a separation here so that, because again, she recognized that other guys weren't asking her out. If he was just gonna string her along while he was waiting for something else, she had to say something about that. And so she did, and she was very honest with him. And um, she said, it's not that you're not a great guy. It's not that I don't like you. I mean, I actually would like to consider the possibility of marriage with you someday, but I don't know where you are in this. And um, that for him was a very, um, it was kind of a line in the sand where he realized I had to make a decision and yeah. he came back and they're now married. They dated and yeah. Went from there. Uh, next, the next question that came in just actually came in. Uh, it's a little bit more lighthearted, but have you uh, personally gotten asked on on a date after one of your single conferences? <laughs> that was... I have. I, I just wanted to lighten it up a little yeah, bit there. Yeah, no, for that's you. good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have. It's very funny because people, um, in fact, I was telling a couple of the attendees at one of the breaks how one of the most common things I get, especially from my sisters, is you're not trying hard enough. Are you sure you're putting yourself out there? Are you sure you're... And I'm like, I host an international podcast for single people. I am out there. Um... But it is funny, like this is where I've had to tell myself, like clearly I, 
I think at this point, I'm just like listening to the voice of God and seeing what's up. Because I will tell you, when I, uh, on the Boundless show, I most often get, um, get emails and calls and whatever from guys who are like in college, which is super creepy. Um, but college guys are so like, they have the whole world before them. So they're just like, I'm just going to ask, whatever. You know, they're just like, they, they don't think they can fail. You know, they're awesome. It's like, as you get older, you start managing your risk, you know, and then you're like more, you know, it's, it's more like, what am I willing to give up in order for this to happen? Um, and then, uh, scarily enough, when I'm on the Focus on the Family broadcast, which I've been a few times, I get the over 75 crowd, which is, um, so I actually had a, a shepherd in Montana send me a sheepskin. Um, that was kind of fun. I've had a lot of interesting, like, yeah. gifts and letters and stuff like that, so. Um. I'm, I'm not even going to ask what happened to the sheepskin, so. Um. This is a real vulnerable question here. When dating, uh, how or when do you tell the person uh, that you're dating some hard health stuff uh, mm-hmm. that you might possibly have to go through down the line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I, w- I would say at some point it needs to be put on the table. And it's kind of like what I say about like sharing about other intimate stuff, like you know a sexual past or any kinds of addictions, any issues with your family, any stuff like that. Um, again, first date is not the time to pull that out. You don't know if this is going to happen, if this is moving forward. You don't need everyone knowing your stuff. Um, but at some point, when you feel it's right, and this is why I'm so passionate about other people being involved in your relationship, mentor couples and others who can speak into this, um, you do want to put it out there. But the, the cool thing about it is it's not, again, it, it isn't one of those situations of, oh, I'm going to immediately say this and they're going to be scared off. There are people with health issues, with disabilities, with whatever that are getting married every day. Again, God knows exactly if that person sitting across the table from you is a person that is being asked in their heart to step into your story. And that could be very true. You know, I think of that in terms of my mom. Like, there is no guy in the world that wants to take on my mom. How do I know that? I don't know what God has. You know, God could have something totally crazy up his sleeve. Yeah. Next question was, uh, how do you know whether or not you're called for singleness? Hmm. Kind of discerning that in your life. Right. Um, So I always differentiate that by saying, okay, if you're single today, you're called to singleness today. So remember that. So there's short-term calls for the season you're in. The call of celibate service or lifetime singleness, generally those who have it know they have it. It means usually that um, you do not um, you do not struggle as much sexually as the next person. You know that you are in a position where God has specifically He's worked on your heart to release you in that way and to say, yeah, yeah, this is a good thing. This is my my mind, my heart are directed in this way. It's also um, you know it might be related to your calling. Like for example. Um, if you know, like for me, for the longest time, you have felt called to a very dangerous situation in another country that you probably practically would not be the wisest bringing a wife and children into, but you know that you're totally called to that, that could be a very realistic and a very legitimate calling that God wants you, um, wants you to consider. And you're going to know at that point, yeah, singleness may be a part of that. Um, but if you're just like white knuckling through every day because you can barely get through the day or you're you know, constantly facing, you're up against sexual temptation, you are, you know, I, I always say, why don't we just, you know, 
put it on the table that sex is a great motivator for marriage. It should be. It shouldn't be your only motivator. I mean, <laughs> you know, that could, be a, that could be a big mess. But, but there is a reason um, why, you know, why God um, made that a legitimate need, a legitimate drive. And so those who truly have the gift of singleness tend to have some hard work done on their hearts by God himself to help them reconcile to that. And they, they work it through. Um, also getting, uh, once again, getting some great counsel in that direction is good because a lot of folks have walked that path. Yeah, I appreciate the number of times you've, you've brought in this idea of communal discernment in the yeah. middle of things and oh, yeah. inviting Big people man. into our stories. And I think that's true of us, regardless of whether or not we're single or we're married, we're divorced, we're widowed, right. you know, all of those kinds of things that no matter who we are, mm-hmm. there is this sense that God's wired us for to be in relationship with people, particularly those who can speak into our lives in wise and discerning ways. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is, uh, could you speak to this idea that there needs to be a spark or some kind of physical chemistry in order to date someone? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I would say I'm a big fan of saying don't, don't not go out with someone because you don't have a spark. I think I said that in one of the, one of the talks. Um, if someone is of good character, they have been recommended to you, someone has said, this person's legit, I see them as someone that could be a good fit for you, do dinner, do coffee, go out with them. It is just a date, people. These women in the 50s were dating three guys on a weekend. Come on. Um, that said... Um, at some point, a spark should develop. And I mean, I, I am not, I think this idea that Christians need to just like eschew attraction and just be like, oh no, it's okay because he memorized the book of Isaiah, so I don't need to be attracted to him. Um, In Hebrew. It's yeah. is nutty. Um, that's totally nuts. That said, I do believe that attraction can grow. I will say, um, I give the ladies a little more props here because I would say that as a whole, women tend to be more forgiving of physical attraction than men. That said, (laughs) um, women aren't forgiving in other areas that aren't uh, involving physical attraction. That said, um, one of my my dear friends went to a singles group with me here in town. Um, He is a Korean and his mom was determined that he was going to marry a Korean woman to the point that she would fly Korean women out here to meet him. So meanwhile, he was like trying to date this other girl that he knew from our church, and that was kind of like going okay, not going okay. Well, his mom flew this woman out, they went on a date, it went horribly, so they sat down to talk about how horrible it went, how they just clearly had issues and needed to go find other people. And in that, they just had such a great talk that they decided to give it another chance. So he's like, well, God's maybe calling me to pursue her. He was not attracted to her. He thought she was kind of annoying, but he felt like, I'm going to just pursue this a little bit further, see what God may have. What's interesting is she had such, he realized that she had such character. She was so much fun. Um, she, their family stuff aligned, whatever. He didn't care that, you know, he kind of wanted to not date her just to spite his mom. But, um, but just stuff kind of went along the way. And then for him, he kind of did that whole, um, the whole pursuing the one kind of thing. He decided, I think I could actually marry this woman. And I am going to cut the clutter, cut all the other potential women out, my, out of my life, not look, you know, to see if there's someone better out here or there. I'm going to focus on her 
and see what happens. And he did. And as soon as he chose her to date, as though she was the one he was going to marry, he started building a bond with her and realizing, yeah, I think we've got something here and it can move along the way. So it was a big trust leap for him, but it happened. And so I think, again, I think attraction's important. I don't think it's the number one quality that you need. And I certainly don't think you need it to start dating. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, next one was, oh, my phone just turned off again. Sorry. And now they have two kids, so obviously something happened. <laughs> Not that I know how that works yeah. or anything. I'm fine. <laughs> I thought you learned when you were 14. Yeah, <laughs> yeah at, clearly in, didn't learn in, from in my your parents. public school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to make a tail comment, but I just couldn't. Uh, that, that point. <laughs> that, let's, let's edit that out, Evan. Let's edit, yeah, uh, that'd be helpful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, is your adv- uh, what is your advice for someone who doesn't feel worthy to date again after divorce? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I hear that question so often. And the fact is, I think we could just say, all of us in this room, none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy to be doing anything valuable, anything good. Everything that we have is from Christ himself. Jesus Christ has at the cross leveled the playing field for us so that we in our brokenness can come and form relationships that are guided by him and that can glorify him. So that said, um, I think that there is, in that specific situation, there is a lot to be said for healing in the word, healing with pastoral counsel, healing with counseling, healing with understanding the value of good friendships, and and focusing and and shoring those up maybe initially. That said, um, I fully see, I have have so many friends that have moved out of of divorce, out of situations where they have... um, God has given them such an amazing story the second time around, the third time around. Um, it is, you know, there is a reason why in scriptures it talks about the redemptive plan of God and the fact that he brings beauty from ashes and the fact that there is weeping in the night, but there is joy in the morning. God is in the business of turning things around. And it is not, he doesn't have a limited timeline for us. He doesn't have limited goodness for us or limited blessing he can lavishly bestow on us whatever he chooses to do. And it doesn't mean, the other thing is, you, you, the flip side of that is you don't say, oh, well, I went through this really hard marriage, so my second one's going to be super easy. You know, you don't, God may actually work on you through a second marriage, and he may have, you know, some trials for you to walk through there, and, and it will be. Um, my friend Lori, the one whose book I read from, married a guy who was divorced and had a son. And she said, I thought it was such a great picture in her, uh, a different book that she has. She talked about how their wedding day was so joyous, but they also saw it, there was a lens of brokenness there too, because he had to, a relationship had to not work out for him to be made available for him. And a lot of folks look at that lens, you know, through widowhood and stuff like that. But God has such a capacity to love and to allow us to love that um, it's, again, it's amazing what he can do. We need, again, we have to get back to that identity piece of uh, he, he's got this. We just have to trust him in it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, next one was, will dating a non-believer have a negative impact on my own spiritual life? Yes. Um, this, is, this is one of those things that, again, I mean, there's a reason why 
you know, a lot of people will trot out the unequally yoked passage, and I think it's legit because I think, for example, if you look at dating an unbeliever, um, especially if you are in a position, which all of you need to be in after today, where you only want to date seriously and with your eyes towards marriage, not that you sit down on a first date with someone and you're picking out China and writing names and stuff, um, but you want to have it in your head that you are scoping out potential mates. And as a believer, that person is going to be a person that you serve God with, that you raise children with, that you, um, you know, serve the church with, that you worship with. Um, the fractured nature of a relationship that is covenant, covenantally drawn and your most important relationship is not allowed into that space is only a formula for heartache. And the other thing that I use with, with adults too when I talk through this is why in the world, it reminds me of, I worked uh, after college at a bank and one of my coworkers was Lutheran and she was marrying a Catholic and she's like, yeah, we're trying to figure out how to make this happen because, um, you know, we don't know what we're going to do with our kids. And I'm like, this is me. I'm, I'm so my mother's daughter. I'm like, well, first of all, you're not a good Lutheran and he's not a good Catholic <laughs> because clearly based on the theologies of both of those traditions, there's some issues there as far as even salvation um, and what needs to happen within the churches. But that said, um, it just reminds me, and this is why I tell, I tell single adults, why would you want to hitch your wagon to someone and build a life with someone and love them through life only to be separated from them for eternity? What in the world? Are you just trying to like hurt yourself? I mean, are you just trying? And this whole idea of like, well, you know, I could draw them closer to the Lord. You know what? The Holy Spirit is going to draw them unto himself. That is not your job. Your job is to represent Jesus Christ in the way you're living your life. You're trusting him. You are putting, um, putting all stock in his truth and living a life of belief. Um, it's not to be randomly, quote, saving people in your sphere. The next one is, uh, how can you ask in person, like ask someone out in person, if you're an incredibly shy person and asking someone out really scares um, everything out of you? <laughs> <laughs> and that was edited. Okay. Um, I know, this is, this is like tough. Um, so I would love, I mean, again, I think there is an element of guys, at some point, you've just got to make this happen. You don't need to do it on a billboard. You don't need to do it in front of other people. You don't need to, but there, you know, women are in this position too, because they're going to either accept or reject, and they could be super shy and have a really hard time doing this as well, which is why we get into all this lying nonsense of like, let me just check, you know, date Jesus for six months and then get back to you. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's an element to you've, you've got to just bite the bullet and make it happen. Um, I, I think you will have made huge gains for having done that. You will have, um, you know, because that is, again, it's just that element of risk is just part of being a man. It's part of knowing that you will probably fail, but quite frankly, eventually you only need this thing to work once people. I mean, it's like, you know, and I don't want to be cavalier by saying, well, then on to the next one, you know, whatever. But, um, 
but I, it, it, is an, it is a matter of, you know, trust God that he's going to honor that. And then to the flip side of that, I want to say, ladies, this is why it's great to create a space for guys to do that and to honor their hearts as well. We're so about like protecting our hearts and being like, oh, you know, have them honor me. But um, a guy that really steps out and, and offers up that risk, it's a good thing uh, to do that. If you don't want to go out with him, that is okay, but be, be gentle with him, be kind with him. Um, but I would, I would take a hard look at it too and just say, you know what, maybe I should say, say yes to this one. Um, it could be cool. But, but shyness is hard, um, you know, especially if... Um, you know, shy guys think, oh, well, I can't ask out this extroverted girl because she thinks all the, like, cool extroverted guys are the ones she would date and stuff. And I would say, I mean, I think most ladies would agree with me that, like, no, we're not looking for clones. Um, they're, they're great guys. Shy guys are great. Um, the engineers, you know. You know what? And you know why engineers are great? Because they have jobs, people. <laughs> um, do not... <laughs> Do not negate the engineers. They actually have jobs. You will not have to support them. They're gainfully employed. <laughs> exactly. Slightly better than Pizza Hut was the, the guy in the, the video. Um, so there are now, if you're a, working up to management in Pizza Hut, yes, that's different. But if you're uh, okay just staying on the line at Pizza Hut because you don't want to try, my wife's a huge fan okay of the stuffed crust pizza there. So well, I, I, I have to be. If you work I have there, you get the free. Not yeah. to say anything negative about yeah, Pizza Hut. Okay. Uh, there are a couple of questions that came in just about family pressure. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, particularly in your case, you know, you're living with your mom and you have pressure there. But I think a lot of folks deal with just varied pressure from parents or grandparents or, mm-hmm. or siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, just what would your advice be for handling that kind of pressure? Yeah. Um, and I think this goes both ways. And I actually had a couple of people ask me in the break about this. So one was um, her family uh, went through a lot of divorce. So they're kind of like, no, don't get in a relationship. Just be single and amazing. Um, whereas the other one was like when she was 17, like start dating, please get married within the next year. And so they're, they're both in these weird spots. Um, Family pressure is tough. And I always want to, you know, scripture tells us to honor our father and mother. And I think we need to do that. We need to take their opinions into account and we need to prayerfully and respectfully respond to them. Um, But at the same time, this is your journey. This is your relationship. This is your future marriage. And we have to be okay with, you know, again, it's it's very easy for us to fall into parent-child role. It doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, your 30s or whatever. You're going to be like, mom... Um, it's just hard to get out of that role on either perspective. Um, so this is where you have to steal yourself for an adult to adult talk that lays it out and says, you know what, mom, dad, I love you. I want you praying for me. I want you supporting me. I want you in my life and in this decision, but I need to make this decision and I need to walk through this journey. And if you're on the other side of the spectrum and you don't have good role models there, get folks around you who are for marriage, who are for you, who are going to step into that space for your parents. Because many of you have broken you know, parental relationships um, or you have... Um, you know, they're either, either you have an absent parent or you have parents that just quite frankly don't care or don't want to speak into it. Um, you know, you need to have that in your life. And so it's the, the pressure either way is kind of like, put yourself out there, say what you need to say, 
reiterate it when you need to. Um, but in the end, and that's even, because this question may come up, come up too, if you're dating and your parents are like, well, I don't really like him, or I don't really, again, bring in the other counselors. Is this only your parents saying this, or should you listen to your parents because they're seeing something you're not? Um, honor them in their opinion, but ultimately, this is your decision on who to marry, and so you need to move forward with confidence and um, you know, get the full, the full 360 scope around that. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, we'll do two more here and then um, kind of close up and let people come and ask because they're getting books and those things. Uh, but they kind of move toward moving forward a little bit and thinking about things um, as regarding meeting people in ways that um, are, are healthy and those things. So this one is like one of the hardest things in this society where many people don't grow up in small towns mm-hmm. or maybe don't live life in one place for a long period of time or life yeah. doesn't overlap in all the ways that it used to uh, is actually meeting other Christians, yeah. um, particularly other single Christians. And so this specific question was, would Boundless consider uh, hosting more events where Christians can meet? But I'd like to expand it and just say, you know, as somebody who's kind of has their pulse on this in the nation, but even particularly in our city, mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the places that you'd recommend or events or things that are happening that yeah. m- maybe would be good places for people to meet, meet others that's not the bar? <laughs> yeah, as long as it's a Christian bar. Yeah. Um, it's, a, that, it's a fair trade coffee bar. That, has, uh, that hosts game nights. Um, no, I would say, um, so first of all, it was funny because when, when Boundless hosted Pursuit two summers in a row, and the reason we didn't do it this year is because Focus is celebrating its 40th anniversary and they had this big Disney cruise and we couldn't compete. Anyway, I'm not bitter about that. But um, um, one, of the, one of the most common things I heard from the young adults who came, and there were about, I want to say, 48 states and about nine countries represented, so it was really cool, um, was... I can't believe I'm in a room with as many like-minded, headed in the same direction, generally have their heads on straight, love Jesus, and are actually interested in marriage people. Because they feel like, I mean, many people are, are in churches where, you know, they may be one of four single people, or they may be, um, you know, it may just be rough. They may be in their 20s and everyone else is in their 40s or 50s or something. Um, so I would say um, it's, it's great to see that the need is there, and it's great to see that, um, and that's something I think that the church as a whole needs to wake up to. Um, for singles in general, I would say um, the, the best thing to do, and I mean, this sounds crass, is to diversify. I mean, to, to avail yourself, again, if you, have, if you have indicated that you want to be married, you have talked to the people in your sphere, that is known, you have opened yourself to being set up by quality friends who know quality people, um, you have, uh, the other thing is if you're in a small church, I have not talked to one small church pastor who has said to me, oh, I don't want my singles going to anywhere but this church to anybody, you know, go out. If there is a singles, like a citywide kind of event or a larger church that's hosting something, do that. Invite your friends, invite people who invite people who invite people. Um, you know, join a, join a small group that is, uh, folks from a bunch of different churches. Um, Host something yourself. Initiate. Be the person that responds to the party invitations and even the awkward like New Year's ones and Valentine's ones and all the ones no one wants to go to. Um, Be the one that that goes there or is willing to host it. Go online if you're willing to. I mean, don't be ashamed to go online. Everyone's doing it nowadays. Um, I think there are a lot of things that you can avail yourself of, but in the end, you have to realize that 
This is sadly a decision that you are not solely responsible for. Someone else who you may not know yet has to be part of this, you know, (laughs) the person you're going to date. And then God himself has to be part of it as well. And so do your part and then sit back and trust God for the rest. Excellent. Uh, This one sort of gets at um, some of the pain, I think, that uh, singles feel in the context of church. I mean, they even made a comment here of sometimes it's even awkward uh, at church to sit at a table with an even number of chairs because mm-hmm. you feel like you're taking a couple's spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I know my, uh, my youngest brother, he's 35, single, uh, lives in a small town in rural Iowa, has no single friends 10 years older or younger than him. Mm-hmm. Um, and talks about how difficult it is to even go to church mm-hmm. um, and those things. And so the question gets to this idea of how can the church just better support singles? What yeah. are things that uh, as church leaders in the room, as other single Christians in the room, or just even thinking about church as a whole, what are things that we can do to kind yeah. of create uh, a more encouraging and integrated environment for singles? Yeah, um... And I will talk about this a little bit tomorrow morning downtown. So if anyone want to jo- wants to join us for that, um, that's where I'll get all crazy up in the married people's faces. Um, anyway, um, one, I mean, what I see is, and again, it's a, it's a whole perspective shift. And it's so funny and almost ironic that I work at Focus on the Family because people are like, I've been there for a while now. And they're like, why do you work there? You're like single with no kids. Like, what do you have to do with that? And... Um, And I always say, you know, well, one is because the mission of Focus on the Family is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in disseminating the gospel to as many people as possible. We just use the family as a vehicle through which to do that. And I'm a big fan of the gospel. Um, But that said, um, I, I think we need to get back to this idea of like single people in the church are not valuable only for their marriage potential. I think we have this weird notion in church leadership and beyond, even in married couples, that family starts at marriage, but really we're all part of the family. We're part of the family of God. We are part of families. We are um, exploring, you know, there, there are little, you know, we have to make our own sense of family in the communities we're in. Family is, you know, humankind, and we have the opportunity to be family. Now, I'm totally about biblical family, too, and I, again, like I said, I'm, I'm passionate and a big fan of marriage, too, but um, I think the church would do well to start acknowledging um, the value of people from different walks of life. And that involves, um, I mean, it, it's everything from the pulpit, from sermon illustrations, including examples from single people. I mean, you know, if you sat under that pastor that like every one of his illustrations is about his five and seven-year-old, you're just like, come on now. Um, but sermon illustrations, it involves um, scriptures teaching on singleness, kind of like what we're doing this weekend. It involves um, inviting and reflecting, you know, being part of community together, um, marrieds inviting singles into their homes, and vice versa. You know, you guys, we can initiate as well. It's a good thing to do. Um, and then also the church being in the, will, you know, being in the position and willingness to help make good matches where they see that happen. So um, I think... You know, I, I always encourage married people. You know, one one other example is like, um, you know, I'll sit around with married friends and they'll share, you know, some of their woes, like parenting woes or marriage woes or whatever. And I've noticed that when I weigh in with a woe of mine, it, it would do marrieds well to to not um, 
dismiss that, be dismissive of it. I think a lot of times it's like, okay, well, you have your problems, but you don't have the kind of problems I have. We all have problems. We're all struggling. We're all in a different season of what we're wrestling with, what we're trusting God with. And we have to be willing to acknowledge that. And quite frankly, when there is hurt, um, I think, I don't think most of it is intentional. I think single adults need to step up and say, like, call some of this out, because I think it's mostly assumptive. I think it's mostly like, you know, if someone was married at 21, they just don't understand what you're going through. That's just point blank the truth. And so you need to be okay with that. It doesn't mean that they hate you or they don't want to relate to you or whatever. It just means that they don't know. They're not in that season of life. Um, And so to open up the conversation, to um, be willing to go to your church leadership and be honest about it and just be like, you know, I feel kind of disenfranchised or I feel kind of left behind or I feel like there have now been like 12 marriage classes in the last three years and there's nothing, you know, where do I plug in? What does this look like? Um, And and to be given a place at the table um, also, like I said about uh, singles and marrieds and church leadership, um, to encourage and ask church leadership to invite singles into positions of leadership and positions of contribution. So, you know, if there's like a rockin' like single CPA in your church, if that person is not on the finance committee and doesn't, that's just dumb. I mean, that's just dumb on the part of the church, especially if that's something they want to give towards, you know, or or contribute, you know, they may be like, I do this all day. But... um, (laughs) But I mean, to avail themselves, because singles are adults, they're not kids. And so to recognize us as functioning adults who have contributions to make, who are part of the family of God, who want to grow, I think it's just a holistic perspective on that. Awesome. Lisa, thank you. Let's everybody give Lisa a big thank you. Very fun. Throughout the day, Lisa, I just kept thinking as you were talking, just what a gift you are to the church. Oh, thank you so um, much. And your just beautiful blend of vulnerable candor um, <laughs> and humor uh, make these Thanks. conversations so fun. And when the conversations, uh, we also know, hit into really deep places of our hearts. Um, and places where there's hurt and there's wounds and there's disappointments uh, as well as joys and those things. But thank you for, the, for oh, your ministry to the church, uh, for your leadership that you provide kind of across yeah. the globe uh, to helping church leaders and singles kind of think through all of this. So yeah. we deeply, deeply respect you oh, and appreciate your I appreciate your it. Gift. Thanks. Well, it's... This has just been such a privilege, like no joke. I mean, I thought my career was in PR and stuff and it was these guys who led Boundless who almost 10 years ago now, the show will be 10 years old in January, came up to me after all my ridiculousness about dating, like the fact that they even positioned this was ridiculous. But they were like, you know, Lisa, you're single and you like to talk. Do you want to host this show? I mean, that was, that was my sole qualification. Um, But I have had such a privilege of entering into the lives of single adults and to realize, you know, our role in the church to speak into, again, I'm I'm now, I just feel super old 10 years into this, but 
I feel like I'm just that few steps ahead on the journey and I can look back and just say, you know, let me put my arm around you. Let me encourage you. Let me show you and share with you what I've learned. And so just the fact that you guys came and gave up a day for this, I so appreciate it and appreciate you guys. And I love, um, you know, the fact that you are now going back into your churches and doing what you do and doing it so well. Um, It matters. It makes a difference. So. I would love to, yeah, find me over there. We'll talk. Yeah, let's just take a moment, commit the day to prayer and uh, pray for Lisa. And then I'll make a couple announcements and we'll go.